host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockeypedia cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me for the first time in 2023, feels good to say that, it's my good buddy, Sean Shapiro. Sean, what's going on, man? Not much, not much. I've, uh, it's, it's good to hop on. It's uh happy new year to, I think we, I was, I was on one of your last shows of 2022, right? I think it I was think. the last one of the, Oh no, no. Cause it was the one right before I went on a Christmas holiday. And then I did a few when I came back uh, before the, the year turned, but yeah, one of the last ones. Yeah. But it's a good way to, uh, good way to start nine days into the year, but well, it's, good to, it's, it's good to be on. And I believe that one drew rave reviews because it had a, it had a segment we like to call Sean doing quick math on the show. Oh yeah. Oh and, boy. Uh, I got some, I got some comments <laughs> that were like, we need to make this a, uh, a recurring thing and just you just doing doing calculations which aren't that hard if you actually have time to like sit down and you're not like <laughs> under the gun where you're talking on, on a live pro, pro, yes. a program but um yes no it was good all right man well we don't have anything necessarily specific it, it's a monday show so i kind of just yeah. want like to start off a new week talk about stuff that's been on my mind over the weekend things that i was watching uh perfect. while i was watching all these games on saturday and sunday and so we're going to run through a, a list of stuff so perfect First on my list, we need to talk about Jack Hughes. Mm -hmm. And here's why. NHL's three stars this week, David Pasternak. I just did a big thing with Matt Porter on the show recently. Rasmus Dahlien, I feel like I've talked about him on the PDO cast. A solid 25 to 30 times so far this season, I'd guess. They've been covered extensively here on the show by me. But the second star in between those two guys was none other than Jack Hughes, who just absolutely erupted. And initially I was going to like, line this up by, by talking about how he's on a heater. Uh, but I, I I don't think that necessarily even applies here. Cause that kind of suggests like that framing suggests that he's just hot right now. And this is an aberration, but in, in reality, like I, I wouldn't expect him to keep scoring 19 goals in the last 20 games he's played or something like that. Like that's clearly yeah. on the high end of things, but just in terms of the impact he's having on the games, the way he's playing, like how everything's come together for him and the level he's reached this season, it's kind of a new normal for him. So like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily that 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 shocked by it, but he's been so good that I felt like we needed to devote like a full segment to just kind of unpacking everything he's doing out there right now. He's been good. And so he's uh, I'm based in the Detroit area and I got to kind of watch. They were in Detroit last week and I got to um, one of the great things about the Detroit press box is it's such a high vantage point, but it's it kind of creates a bit of a you're right over the ice. So it's, you get the true overhead watching the flow of the game. And there's time. One of the nice things about not writing about one specific team is it allows me to kind of watch games sometimes and just pick individual guys to watch. And I like, and, and Hughes was one of the guys from that game where I just kind of sat and you watch him from shift to shift and you watch the flow of the game and you watch kind of the impact as the transition in particular is fun mm -hmm. to watch with how he goes just to kind of, it just from that vantage point. And it's one of those where like, if there's ever like, a, they should do like someone should bottle up that camera view at some point, because it's a great way. It's a great way to watch the game to just to, to kind of from the exact above exact above the rink, just to kind of see the way guys move the game and the way they're moving. And then the game kind of reflects to the way they've been moving. And that's the thing that's most, that was kind of, my biggest takeaway from watching Hughes last week is you can see the way he's impacting the game, but even the way he was impacting things before it kind of reflected what he was doing. Mm -hmm. That's that, that was kind of fun to watch just to kind of do my own personal little ISO on him and everything like that. Um, I mean, he's yeah, it's, 
is it a heater where the pucks to use the old hockey cliche, the pucks going in, like, I guess, but it's, he's been great. I mean, he's been great all year and this is just like, this is the new normal. (laughs) It is. It is. Well, people say that and, and, and correctly. So like, hockey like the nhl has benefited significantly from the advancements in like television technology right like the yeah the hd like you can see everything so much more clearly it's such a more viewer friendly product when you're watching at home sometimes when i do these mixtapes of games from like even the like late 90s or early 2000s it's like it, it's 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 mind-blowing to actually see some of the clips and be like where where's the puck here right now I'm not, I'm not sure what i'm looking at like it looks like something cool is happening but it just looks like an entirely different sport almost than right now so i I'd normally say that just staying home and just watching i mean obviously it's easier because if there's like 10 games on at once it's easier yeah, yeah. to flip through them but i just think it, you almost get to like see more just watching at home because it is such a clear product jack hughes is one of those players that i think seeing him in person is actually a massive benefit especially from that bird's eye view because sometimes the tv camera doesn't capture all the actions that he puts together to set up plays, right? Like it shows him once he finally gets the puck, but by then you might've already missed like 20% of of the good stuff in like, they run these plays where he sort of builds up speed, which aren't necessarily unique to him. Like a lot of teams do it with their most skilled, fastest, smoothest skating players, but like kind of this like slingshot action almost, right. Coming from his own zone where he's able to gain speed. And then all of a sudden he passes the puck off quickly, then really kind of builds up his speed and they get it back to him with a full head of steam. And then he attacks downhill. And so being able to see that from that angle, I think sometimes the TV cameras almost don't even capture all of that. So seeing it from the press box is actually a pretty cool experience. Yeah. And he, I mean, the way he reads the, the amount of like, you also miss all these little things where, you see how a guy reads things even when the puck doesn't go. But I mean, a lot of the times the puck does, you talk about those those plays and that slingshot action and the transition. Like a lot of the times the puck does end up with him, right? But you start, you see the little things that he's doing the right way. You see the transition for the potential for transition when the puck doesn't go to him. Like I think that's the stuff that you you don't get as much on the TV because mm-hmm. it's, it's you're not going to, unless you have the true ISO cam, you're not really going to get that because... It is as a, it is the game where you do have to follow the puck of it as, as a camera guy. Well, I'm going to give you a bit of a quick data dump here because it is the PDO cast, but also because I want to, yeah. I want to set up my larger point here. So the devils have fallen off a bit in terms of team performance, right? After that hot start, they're four, yeah. eight and two in their past, whatever, 14 games. Now you, you saw it, it was, a they were entering kind of dangerous territory in that Saturday game against the, the Rangers where they were outplaying them, but they were just getting just Turk and basically, and I was like, okay, that's going to keep yeah. up this trend where they're playing pretty good hockey, but they're just not getting the results. And then Hughes just essentially put them on his back. And it was a really just a jaw dropping performance. I think two goals and an assist played like 23 minutes had 13 yeah. shots. It was, it was, he did everything. He's now up to on pace for 53 goals and a hundred points with him on the ice at five on five. They're up 40 to 23. High danger chances are 173 to 85, which is basically like two to one. Um, and his expected goal share is 64%, which is actually higher than that on ice goal share that I just mentioned. So he's actually been a bit unlucky in terms of the pucks going in for him while he's on the ice. And so I've been thinking about this because it's still so early. We're halfway through the season, essentially, right? There's so much story left to be told here. But this MVP race is kind of starting to to take shape a little bit, right? I'm sure there's still going to be ebbs and flows and guys are going to be entering and exiting the the conversation. But beyond like McDavid, who's going to have like 150 points this season, Tage Thompson, what he's doing, if he keeps this up, 
I think he's, I think Hughes is certainly right in that mix alongside like Jason Robertson and David Pasternak and whoever else you'll have, right? Like there's, there's a number of other candidates for me, like Eric Carlson, Elias Pedersen and Matthew Kachok off the top of my head, but their teams just aren't good enough this season. And so I think that's going to kind of disqualify them. So in terms of that elite tier where you've got the team success, but also the individual production and how responsible they are for that team success. I was surprised that that the Hughes. I, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna start snowballing here quickly if this keeps up. But I'm, I'm surprised because we, you know, at the start of the year the Devils were winning a lot of games, but we were attributing it to all these different factors and the team success and everything. And then now they've actually kind of regressed a little bit in terms of that team success. But Hughes himself has just gone completely nuclear and sort of overtaken that entire story. I think. I think the other narrative too with the Jack Hughes issue is, and this is just the nature of how the hockey business and the media is. Um, the devils aren't well covered and it's kind of, I think that's also a bit of the narrative too, where you look at, I mean, essentially there's one paper that covers that team. Um, some major outlets that used to cover that team have stopped covering teams in that regard. And I think yeah. the Jack Hughes story is flying under the radar because the only people really to tell it are coming from people who are outside of New Jersey and people who work for the team. And so I, I think you, it's missing the Jack Hughes MVP race is missing the person carrying the torch, like locally, like the, 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 the Jack Hughes heart, heart, heart torch. There's no, there's no one to carry it. That doesn't work for the team because someone who works for the team, of course, you'd be like, Oh, of course you work for the team you're missing the, like in Dallas, you have the, at least you have the media there is, is, is fighting for the Jason Robertson MVP conversation. You have, you have that you're in Buffalo. You're going to have people who will push for, for, for Tage Thompson when it comes to it at the end of the day, like Jack Hughes doesn't have the, he's kind of in an overshadowed market. And I think it's kind of a reflection of, of hockey media right now too. Um, yeah, he, he should be in the heart race. He should be in the heart conversation. He won't win it, but he should be in it. I mean, one thing he will win just because hockey writers, he actually has the perfect formula. Assuming his season goes on pace right now, he is a cold stone lock to win the Lady Bing because hockey writers vote, okay, points, penalty minutes. And mm-hmm. he will. He is a cold stone lock to win the Lady Bing right now because he fits those. Uh, he fits that category perfectly right now. With, well, you, I'm looking you at yeah. <laughs> You don't think he's going to get that, uh, get that, the claim to it stolen by uh Kale McCarr's selfless act of uh of admitting that Matt Barzell didn't in fact take a penalty on him and giving that back. I feel that was like a storyline for a couple of days there. I think too we're, many we're people probably I, devoting too much time to the Salki here. I think I think I think too many people forget about well I think when too many people I think when too many people vote, and this is just a commentary on the industry of voting too many people when they vote will completely forget about that. They'll just yeah. go like, oh, I, I got to fulfill this part out of my ballot. So who had a lot of points and didn't take penalties. There well, here's, here's, a remark- <laughs> here's a remarkable stat for you. So by Dom's contract model, he just put out an update. His models got Jack Hughes playing at a $15.6 million market value. And the reason why I bring that up is, is he's currently in year one of an eight year deal where he's making $8 million per, which will cover his age 21 to 28 seasons. And I was thinking about this, man, this is like, this is the new McKinnon, right? Yeah. It's, it's about timing. Um, It's about kind of getting in at the right moment. Like when they signed him to this deal, he was, he was injured in his third season. At that point he had played 119 games. He'd only had 13 goals and 32 points. He was shooting 6% or something like that. 
And it was like the perfect time to make this investment. And it was a bit of pushback at the time. I think anyone that was paying attention or had actually watched him play in his first two seasons, like was aware that it, this was coming for him. It was a matter of time. Like this, this explosion isn't out of nowhere, yeah. but certainly like they got in at the perfect time. And, and right now it's like, it's, it's comical. And it's, it's, it's wild to think what a competitive advantage that provides for them. Right. Even if the cap goes up at a bit slower pace than we were initially kind of over ambitiously hoping for over these eight years, it still is going to go up by a pretty significant margin you'd think. And for them to have a top, however, however you want to classify him as a legitimate MVP candidate at $8 million for all of his prime seasons is just, is absolutely bonkers. Like this is how you like win the lottery as a franchise, right? Like drafting the player is one thing, but then getting them in at a cost efficient price like this for all of their most important years is, is just unreal. Oh, it, it, it's, it's impressive. And it's, it's a complete, it is the new McKinnon. It is the, because this this it'll take him to twenty to his twenty nine year old season, right? If I'm yeah, I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be twenty eight by the time it's expiring, and then he's gonna be up for a new deal. Yeah, heading into twenty nine. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's it it's <laughs> in reality, and obviously, it's you've set up the where you never actually have to sign him to another contract to be a success with New Jersey. Like it's that's 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 how good a contract should be. It's it's so <laughs> the timing was perfect. He took advantage of it. And I mean, if you're New Jersey, it allows you to go and sign another Andre Palat for $6 million or something like that. Like that's, that's what it allows you to do. And it's, if it's the new McKinnon, I I can't sum it up any better than you put it. That's kudos to you on that one. That's, that's exactly what it is. Well, and you think they will be making those upgrades because right now his his most common line made a winger this season has been Eric Halla. And for, and I, I don't want to rehash what I got big rant about it on Friday's show just about how that's like not good enough for him and I, I think they will address that eventually but yeah I mean one mm-hmm. final po- point on Hughes here like you mentioned the MVP race I think people might be surprised to hear that but he leads the league in goals above replacement which is the best version of of war that we have right now mm-hmm. uh and and I think the way he's the way the strides he's taken in his game are worth noting here as well right like I think when he came in you could see the the puck skills and regardless of what happened, he was clearly going to be like a, a truly elite passer and playmaker, right? Like you could just see like the vision and his ability to get the puck to other people, but the way he's asserted himself already as a goal scorer and shooter as well is, is stunning, right? Like the first couple of years he comes in, it was clearly always going to be a work in progress because he needed to put on more weight and strength and, 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 and all that. He came in undersized clearly and and sometimes you'd watch him and like he'd almost fall over when shooting the puck. It was like the puck was too heavy for him at times, right? And then now yes. already at age twenty one, he's 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 dominant as a shooter as well. He's only shooting like fourteen percent or something. But like I said, he's on pace for fifty plus goals. He's fourth in the league in shots. He's tenth in the league in shots from the slot. So it's not even a matter of keeping him to the outside or anything. Like he's getting to the dangerous areas. He's third in the league in rush chances. He's sixth in the league in passes to the slot. I'm looking at here, like he his fingerprints are all over these games. He's getting to wherever he wants to. And, and so it's, it's, it's cool. Like I, that's, I guess that's the summary here, right? It's not, no one is necessarily being like, Oh wow. Jack Hughes is good. I didn't know that. It's just uh, trying to kind of put into perspective how good he's been and how awesome of a story it is and how quickly it's all coming together for him. I, I'm just curious if the devils have ever actually updated his weight. Like, cause like you look at his, what like, I like, cause I saw, I was at the, when Detroit, when they were, New Jersey was in Detroit last week and everything like that. And, 
he's list like he's still listed like as like 5'11, 175. And I feel like that's what he's been listed for like four years. And so like I wonder if it like if he actually if if New Jersey ever updated his weight ever, or if they lied about his weight four years ago and he's grown into it. I, I just it's it's a silly thing that I just always when you see these things, because like uh I don't know, it's 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 a random thing that I was just randomly thinking about. Like there's no way that he weighs exactly the same as he did during the 2019-20 season. <laughs> oh, well, cer- oh, certainly not. Yeah, I, I imagine it's not probably as as up-to-date as you'd like to think, right? Like, And that includes the heights as well, not that guys yeah. in their late 20s are all of a sudden growing, but it, it's 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 all over the place. It's really an, an untrustworthy resource, I think, in terms of being like, oh, this guy weighs this much. Let's just roll with yeah. it as fact. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, he's clearly gotten significantly stronger, and, and it's showing. Um, all right. Was there anything else on, on Hughes or do you want to move on to um to my next topic? Uh, no, let's go next one. Next one. All right. Do you want to talk a little about the Red Wings here? Because I did I did yeah. a segment towards the end of last week um when Jakob Brenna cleared waivers. And I did it with Ryan Hanna and we, and we were talking about it. Now we were kind of framing it more through the lens of Jakob Brenna and his current situation and the yeah. process for him to get back to the NHL. And, and I think, you know, Rightfully, we're kind of focusing on like the human element, especially because yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's sure. what matters here. And now that a bit of time has passed, I I, I do want to sort of take a step back and talk about the, the team component of it here, because I think that was understandably lost in the shuffle, right? It was like, all right, let's figure this out from for, for Jakob Brown's sake in terms of where he's going to play, what the best situation is for him. But for the Red Wings, it's it's interesting because, you know, they've clearly improved from last year. They made such a concerted push to do so this past summer where they had that spending spree and, and just spent a ton of future money on on guys to come in and help them right now. And what they have to show for it is they're on pace for 84 points, which is, as I said, an improvement. They haven't hit 80 since yeah. 2015, 16, I believe. But yeah. in a year where two division rivals that you figured they would have to beat out in Florida and Ottawa are having basically their worst case scenario seasons each, they're still like seven points out of the second wild card slot or something in terms of the way they've they've been playing right now. And I think seeing what the Sabres are doing as well as another Atlantic Division team it should be kind of highly concerning if you're figuring out a logical blueprint to okay, how do we actually get into the playoff race and how do we join some of these Atlantic Division teams up top? All of a sudden, you know, you've got the Leafs, you've got the Bruins, you've got the Lightning, and then all of a sudden you've got the Sabres as well jumping into that conversation. It's 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 an uphill climb. And they desperately need more goal scoring and goals. And so I kind of wanted to like tie that all together because like, man, a player they could really use right now in their lineup is, is Jakob Brenna scoring goals. It's a, it's, it's, it's yeah. actually a one skill that a lot of teams are missing, but them in particular, they like desperately need more of right now. Yeah. And he, um, and I mean, I've checked out a little bit of his conditioning stint and everything like that. And he's still kind of trying to find his overall game and everything like that. But even before he like, even before he got, before he went on to the, the player assistance program and mm-hmm. he had, like, he was actually like, he scored a pretty goal. Like it was actually ironically enough, because we talked about New Jersey earlier, he scored in New Jersey on a goal scorers goal, right? Like really nice shot, picking his spot. Um, and, and he's hasn't really done that yet in Grand Rapids. He hasn't done that in the AHL. And he's someone who Detroit could use that guy and on top of that you add in all the other injuries like eventually they're going to get tyler bertuzzi back and everything like that it's 
Um, the whole, like, the Red Wings situation is interesting because I was talking to someone about this earlier today where, like, to me, they're, it feels like they're playing with, like, house money right now. Like, I feel like this year they're supposed to be kind of, like, in that they're supposed to, like, it's the one year where it was, like, okay to embrace that weird soft middle where mm-hmm. it's, like, you don't want to be bad. Basically, you want to be good enough where you're playing meaningful games for at least 75% of the season. Well, and yeah. Well, to, to, yeah. to build, on, build on that, I don't think it's necessarily, like, yeah, we don't want to be bad because I would argue yeah. being on pace for 84 points is still – Oh kind yeah, yeah, of, yeah, kind of bad. But yeah, yeah. I, I think what they what they really were after was building. You know, to I know it's kind of cliche, like building an environment or culture, but more so from the lens of like you know, like functionally putting younger players in a position where you can yeah. better evaluate whether they are going to be building blocks for the future or whether they're going to be nice luxury pieces, which you could do with or without, yeah. or whether you should be selling high now while you can, or, or kind of getting out while they still have value. Right. Yeah. And when you're really bad and you're 70 ish points and you're getting just massacred five, one every night, it's really tough to, to gauge how good a guy is. Oh, okay. He scored tonight. Well, you yeah. know, the game was never in doubt. So that, what does that ultimately mean? I think getting into some more of these more competitive game environments and having these situations, kind of gives them a better sense for the future. So even if they wind up picking whatever 12th yeah. this season or something, right. It's like, ah, oh, we're kind of stuck in the middle. At least it, it does kind of work towards the future in a, in a less obvious way, but it's still there, I think. Yeah. And it, you're, you're figuring out what you have in a guy like Elmer Soderblom. You're figuring out a guy, what you have in Berger and you're figuring out what you have in all these guys. You're allowing the, the you're allowing the more it's the the is he good or not conversation about more cider you're allowing that discourse to happen now as opposed to well that was years. a that was a self-inflicted <laughs> unnecessary wound i think um freaking venture on my goodness yes um and i and i, I like i mean i love jacob wallman the, I, I love i love wallman the human wonderful human but i mean he's playing with he's playing with, he's he's the other guy who is now playing with cider um anywho um It's, and then the other thing too with Detroit that you figure out is you want it, you need it to be in that space where you still have, and people forget that it, forget his age and everything, because I think just he's been around there forever. But like Dylan Larkin's only 27 and he's going to be a UFA, right? Like the other part of this was you needed to be good enough where the guy who you're looking at as your captain and is going to get paid is going to be up for a nice, nice, nice raise this summer. You wanted to make sure that he still saw Detroit as their plan is still viable. And I think that's the other, the other thing that the wings have, I think they've done that. Like, I I truly believe that they can, I think if you're looking at where the path they're on, there's some decisions they've made where you're like, okay, we shouldn't have done that. And there's some pieces they need to move on from, but overall they're taking the right steps and, they're not going to be, um, for lack of a better word, because of the conference there, and they're not going to be like a false contender. Like in the West, you could this team could be, could you could in the West you could this team could if Detroit was in the West still, you know, you'd be like, oh, you know what, that team might get in, and then they'll just get cranked in the first round. Detroit is going to have to build with because in their East because they're in these right now, they're going to have to build to a spot where you actually have to be a good team when you get into the playoffs. You actually have to be a good team to win games. And I think in the long run, Detroit's on that path. Um, 
the whole the whole Verona thing is going to be interesting because it's he's going to get a chance. The fact he cleared, he's going to be able to spend as long as he wants in Grand spend as long as he wants in Grand Rapids. He actually makes more in Grand Rapids than he makes in Detroit because he doesn't have to pay escrow. Mm-hmm. So make he got about a got about a five hundred thousand dollar raise by 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 being in the AHL. Actually, uh, uh, don't check well, my math on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, and now for the next installment of Sean Shapiro. Uh, don't check my math on that. Uh, the uh but he'll still be part of the plan for next year like since he cleared detroit mm-hmm. clear De- detroit can figure out whether and if he's not part of the plan for next year then they can then they can still make a move like it's they're on the right path for things even if they're not going even if they're going to miss the playoffs by like 12 points this year yeah it's 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 weird because i'm still skeptical like he should be part of their future plans i'm skeptical mm-hmm. that him clearing means that he is like in a in a weird way because of how messy the system is, yeah, he's becomes more movable now than he was when he was literally free because they can like you know they can they can mess around with the money they can retain or they can take back other salary if they facilitate a trade so it opens the door for that. But listen, like I said, they're twenty fourth in five on five scoring, they're twenty eighth in high danger chance generation at five on five. You look you go up on, on Micah's site and you look at their shot chart, it's just a big blue blob in every dangerous area in the offensive zone. Like they just don't really have very many guys who can create shots for themselves and others who are offensive game breakers. And that's exactly what Rana is. And so they desperately need that beyond just what his, what like their future plans are and how he fits into them. Like right now, in terms of what they're trying to accomplish, they desperately need more of that. So um, do you have anything on, you kind of mentioned Larkin there. That's like the least talked about story in terms of his, contract negotiation future not not shocking considering the lack of leaks that there generally are from steve eiserman teams but like the lack of conversation about that is is kind of interesting to me yeah i mean like before this season or i can't remember it was before the season or if it was after the season larkin changed agencies too um which which is also an interesting development too and um the lark i mean our, our pal Rope Hintz did Larkin's camp a wonderful favor. People forget that Hintz and Larkin are the same age. Uh, they, did, they did him a wonderful favor by signing that deal in season for for Hintz, which just kind of sets up a bar that Larkin can Larkin and Bo Horvat will both wonderfully look at and use as, as launching pads. Um, I think from my kind of and the the Detroit is famous for not having any leaks. Larkin is being very up to maybe are very keeping everything close to the vest on this. So all of this said with a grain of salt, but I really get the feeling and the understanding thus far that conceptually Larkin likes the path things are going in Detroit. He likes the, he likes the way Derek Lalonde is taking things and he, and, and he sees a lot of good future with this based off my read on it. And my conversations with Dylan on, on things where he obviously he's never talks about the contract. Of course, the um, there was the very weird, awkward interview about it on TNT the other night where they asked if they asked him about it, like right before the game um, it was a very awkward timing on everything. It would have been um, amazing if he like announced his new deal. Oh yeah. 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 That would have been great. That would have yeah. been great. Like, yeah. and so uh, just, so using my personal reading of human situations and and I, I feel like things are on the right track for him to be back in Detroit. Now, 
money talks because now maybe maybe Steve is maybe Steve Eiserman is going to be has decided that there's something else that I that that we all don't know about. But I feel like things are on the right track on that. But it is one of the least because of the organization and because Steve Eiserman doesn't talk to the media to any media at all. It is become one of the least like if uh, like I covered in Dallas, right? Like when I covered Jim Nill, Jim Nill is a very media friendly GM. He's willing to, to pick up your phone call and everything like that. When I covered him, anytime you had a guy with a contract extension, it was so easy for any media member just to call Jim. And Jim would give the non-answer all the time, but it would stay in, but it would just create story after story after story after story. The fact Steve Eiserman is not available to the media ever really buries stories. Like, for example, like I actually felt really bad for, I felt bad for, he's a coach, he's an NHL coach, and it's his job to handle difficult things and all that. But I felt bad for, um, when when the Red Wings waved uh, Verana, Derek Lalonde was Derek Lalonde basically had to take all of the the personal questions, had to take all the questions about what's this guy's doing, what's this, what, why did you do this, why did you do that, and and that's not his decision. Like I know he's the coach, he has part of that conversation, but that's not his decision. To me, that was one of the spaces where like that's where the GM who makes the decision, the guy who signed the contract, the guy who makes that, that's that's where it's his job to put his coach in a spot where he could hold a three minute zoom call, say, Hey, I made this decision. Here's why, or here's what I'm going to give you. And that's it. And, but Iserman doesn't even talk when something big like that happens. Like he'll well, talk. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's part of this TDY experience though, right? For good and for it, bad. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. I mean, it's the same reason that like I have uh, been in Detroit all the time. Like I'm, I'm not allowed to talk to the, like, but you're not allowed to talk to the assistant coaches at all. And, I, it's it's pretty funny. We say hello to each other, and we know each. And we, they walk off the ice to each other, and we we talk when they walk off the ice, and everything like that. We've said hello and everything like that. I won't say which one, so just in case Stevie is You're a video castle, so no one gets in trouble. Uh, but it's it's just it's it's one it's a it's a very one voice one speaker. For everything, I, and I, it's, bet, uh, I bet Stevie Y is a PDO guest listener, but he listens to it at like ten times speed while three <laughs> other shows are playing, and he's just sitting in a dark room and just trying to like absorb as much information as he possibly can in the most efficient manner. He's like he's, just injecting it straight into his veins. Yeah, it's got one. He's got like multiple headphones going, and he's like it's while he's doing like the it's like the brooding overlook from he's got an office that overlooks the practice rink. It's, Absolutely. All yeah. right, Sean, uh, let's take our break here. And then when we come back, we're going to keep chatting. We are chatting with Sean Shapiro, and you are listening to the Hockey PDO Cast on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Hockey PDO Cast. Here with Sean Shapiro, Sean. We did Jack Hughes. We did Red Wings in the first half. Let's um let's talk a bit with the NHL All Star Game because I know you've got some thoughts on this, and um it's probably the one time I'm going to talk about the All Star Game here in the PDO Cast. Not an event that gets typically a lot of coverage here on the show. Although we'll see. Maybe this year, if I decide to go out to uh to Florida for the event, we'll do some fun stuff from there. But let's talk logistics. Let's talk the selection process. Let's talk everything. What's in, what's in your mind about this? I, uh, well, all-star games in general are, I, I want them, I want them to be fun again. Like I, like I wish it's, 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 it's always funny looking back. Like I remember as a kid, 
Uh, we talked about technology on the first half of the, uh, the first half of this with Jack Hughes and how we can we can really appreciate with the HD and everything like that. The other thing that tech, technology has effectively killed All Star games because, like, the fact of the matter is, like, this past weekend, right? How many of the top players in the world were you able to just flip over and watch? all all the time right like when you were a kid growing up like you could watch the game that was in your market and the national tv game and you didn't really get to watch you didn't get to watch the best players every night because it just wasn't it wasn't possible that's not where we were in streaming and and all of that stuff and i think that's what made the all-star game fun for me like like the in that's the nostalgia factor where it's like oh i get to see all the best players in the world like i actually get to watch them and now i get to watch them on a nightly basis because of how easy it is and i think that kind of i think that doesn't get talked about enough of why all-star games kind of got killed off and i think that applies to to all sports um i i like this this year the format and the other thing is like the three-on-three thing is just it's the nhl like the it's so nhl to like see the result of something and then think that it's it's like you know like how a coach doesn't change the lineup when they win right right so like the nhl because the first three-on-three All-Star game, and correct me if I'm wrong, was the John Scott game, right? And it was like, the NHL took the narrative from the John Scott game that, oh, this three-on-three format is the reason it's great. And that's why they continued to make that the... And that's why that will has lived in kind of perpetuity without really any real tweaks. I don't know what the better tweak is or not, but I think you have you kind of took you kind of took this the three on three doesn't work because even when you add a million dollar prize when you split it between 11 guys who are all making making okay more than math yes yeah exactly no math no math no math i'm trying not to do math but a million divided by 11 ish or something like that um it doesn't it doesn't really drive someone to actually want to block shots or to actually win the game no one really they don't really care they just want to be able to go to a warm weather city when all of their teammates have gone to other warm weather locations outside of the continental United States. Um, My issue with the all-star game becomes with where we have now, just we get to this format where I don't mind the fan voting. I think that actually makes part of it fun, but have you seen the the process though? It's ridiculous. Give them like personal information, including like access to your contacts list on your phone or something to sign up. I saw something about that. I was like, Uh, what on earth is going on here? That's uh yeah that I haven't I haven't voted yet so that's uh I think I uh, they're not Potential giving out roadblock, I, yeah yeah they're not giving out I voted stickers either so maybe mm. if uh maybe if you have like I voted stickers it would work um but because that's really only that's the reason most people in the United States vote anyways to go get the sticker um the uh the fact of the matter is like this one guy from every team format just creates this weird stuff where it's like where we need a effective proper voting campaign for the nhl second leading scorer to be in the all-star game that that that's a problem like like yeah. leon dry leon dry should not have to be voted into the all-star game uh we have the in the central division and great story he made 64 saves the other night but because of but uc saros is not the best goalie in the central division. Hey, you watch, you watch your, you watch your tone <laughs> on this PDO cast talking about UC Soros that way. Okay. I love UC Soros. I love UC Soros, but based off this play this season, he should not be, he is not the first goal at first or second goalie choice from the central division. Now yeah. he's, is he the first choice from Nashville? 
I guess. Well, but the amazing it, thing is that like three, you could argue the three of the best, like five or six goalies in the league though are from the central division, which is just so ridiculous. Right. But yeah. That's, that goes that's, to your point. That goes to your fair. point that all of those guys should be then recognized as such. Yes. Yes. You should just get rid of divisions. That's well, that's it. Get rid of divisions. Okay. There's, there's a couple, there's a, yes. Well, there's a couple of factors here at play, right? One, I think the ideal version in our minds of what you'd want to see, right? What you and I would want to see here yep. is a competitive setting where all of the best players in the league, not only get to go up against each other, but get, but get to play each, with each other if they're on the same teams, right? That's what we want to see is that dream scenario of combinations yep. of guys who are on eight-year deals, playing on different teams, making ten plus million dollars. That will never actually probably get to play together on an NHL yeah. team, but we get to see them on the ice in a competitive setting against the other best players in the league and see who comes out on top. That's pro- that ideal of that is not going to happen because yeah. hockey is a very dangerous game, and no one's yeah. going to want to get significantly hurt during one of these events, and that's understandable. So I, I'm I'm past that. I'm also reckon I'm I'm. I'm resigned to the idea that this event just isn't for us, right? Mm-hmm. It's for yeah. young kids who want to see the spectacle of it and it's cool and that's totally fine. Like, so I, I don't want us to be like grumpy old men here that are like complaining about it because it's just not, it, it's fine. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, totally yeah. cool. But I'm with you, like, in terms of the, if you actually want to designate, if you want to use it as, um, a historical document of sorts to be like, all right, this guy's been an all-star this many times. And in yeah. the year 2022, 2023, these were the best players in the league. There's a better way to do it than force feeding one player from every team. Like, sorry, the Blackhawks just, they don't deserve. No, you don't. They don't deserve a representative this year. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Seth Jones, stay home. Okay. You're, not This is not the year. And that's yeah. totally fine. Like, let's, let's get the best players into this event even though they're not going to play a hundred at a hundred percent speed and, and, and force and all that still, let's get them out there. And who knows, like there's fun stuff can happen, right? There's so much skill involved. And you see on the, like on the day before with, with some of the events, like what Zegers did last year and stuff like that stuff is cool. And so we always talk about how the NHL doesn't know or doesn't like to have fun. And they always box themselves in, in that regard. And they stumbled upon something last year. I like, I'll be tuning in this year to see what happens in the skill competitions yeah. and stuff. But I, there has to be some sort of a middle ground where it's still a fun, relevant event while also acknowledging all the risks and all the reasons why it can't be whatever the ideal version of it is that we want. Can we just make the skills competition the high? The, like, can we just like turn it? Like, I care more about watching the skills competition. Just like, can we just turn around and make that the centerpiece and just just kind of cut through the BS of people care about who wins the three v three All Star game and everything? Like, like, like the skills competition is the and I think the skills competition is actually a centerpiece that you can actually have a lot of fun with. And I'm going to pitch this idea here as well, because I pitched it in other places and I want people to do it. Trevor Zegras going to the all-star game to, to last year to shoot in the, in the skills competition, and everything like that. That was a great precedent setter. The NHL always needs a precedence before it can do something fun. That's kind of what has to happen. And so we use that and we use this puck and player tracking and we go and we use the data and we get the 12 hardest shots taken this season in the NHL okay. from just in, in a game. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter where they are. Uh, the guys who had the 12 hardest shots in the air, you put them on a flight to Florida and we get a true hardest shot champion. Like we get an actual hardest shot champion of, Hey, this, the, you have had to qualify by having one of the hardest shots taken during the regular season. And we bring them all down there and 
It's not the hardest shot of a guy who happens to be an all-star. It's the hardest shot of the guys who took the hardest shots in the NHL this season. Same thing with, with speed. Like, for example, like there's guys who are like, like, for example, like, uh, who's one that like, for example, a guy who would have never been an all-star in his life, but is always looked at as fast as like Andreas Athanasiu, like right. never, never would be an all-star in his life, but I would love to see him in the fastest skater competition. So get me the 12 guys who have had the fastest speed in a game this season that using puck and player tracking and get that and make that your feel for the fastest skater. So we have the true hardest shot. We have the true fastest player. And I would, I would love that. That would be the kind that would be actually be kind of a cool way to beef up the event that is already overshadowed what is supposed to be the centerpiece anyway. Well, I'm just, you know, what got me thinking here's an, here's, here's following up on what you just laid out, but an, an amendment, you take the four goalies, who are qualified in terms of games played with the lowest save percentage this season. You put them in the nets and you have them face a certain amount of Tage Thompson slap shots. <laughs> I understand people might think, wow, that's really cruel and unusual punishment. Guess what? Make some more saves when the games matter and you won't have to Yo, face these and you, shots. And you don't have to do that. That's uh... And then you set a certain you set a certain cutoff where goalies at this point in the season are going to be the ones that are that are going to be in this competition. So you have a cutoff. You're playing till then. Imagine some of the goalie performances we see. How hard? How like how are you, much some of these guys would be like trying to avoid being in that so situation? I I have our four right now because I'm I forgot the NHL media site right here. And so this is by guys who qualify for the save percentage leaderboard. Okay. Okay. The bottom four by save percentage by guys who qualify. So our four goalies in the All Star game for this this exercise would be Elvis Merzlikens. Yeah. We'd have uh Capo Kakinen, mm-hmm. Peter Morazic, and Jack okay. Campbell. Jack Campbell would get another trip to the All-Star game. A fun, a fun <laughs> yes. And and also, you know what? That's a fun combination of goalies. And you know what? Like I'm looking at this board, like Campbell and Morazic are at 878. You got Spencer Martin, Philip Grubauer are at 881 right now. Like if you told Spencer Martin and Philip and, and Philip Grubauer right now, like, you know what? You gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta stop some more pucks over the next three weeks or you're going to the all-star game like all the, like I, now that's that's, the, that's, a, that's, that's the race a that book. i want to follow that's the race that yeah. i want to be tracking and you know what the the hilarious thing about that is if you yeah. were like name five goalies that you'd like to see at the all-star game that you feel like could put on a show yeah. i think petter brazic and elvis merzlikens would be like two of my five not the best oh yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. ones that i'd like to see in that comment in that format so it actually works out so that's great yeah i mean yeah, my Alex and then Alex Stalock would be my other one too, just because he's crazy. Like, <laughs> and yeah, you, you, yeah, I like this. I think we're onto something. I think we fixed everything. I think we fixed the world's problems with this. Um, well, it's just another event yeah, to, uh, yeah. to to deploy yeah. Tage Thompson in as well. Yeah. And so the uh, other the 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 other thing we should do too is you should take the, you know the. I mean, people, you know, the, the Cy Young Award, the goals, goals, mm-hmm. but no assists. Yep. The, the guys who are the leaders in goals, but zero assists, they have to be the passers for the, uh, for, they have to take part in the passing drills. Yeah. I, that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, this would be, I feel like the NHLPA would, <laughs> would, would, uh, would fight against some of these recommendations, but guess what? It's, uh, it's for the good of growing the sport. And honestly, I think it's totally. I think it'll be fun, and so just let's let's have some fun, even if it's at the uh, at the players' expense. Oh yeah, this is uh, we, we've got uh, 
if if I mean if the All Star game, if the true All Star game basically lives in video game world, because like that's essentially what like the hockey ultimate team stuff is. Like that's why mm-hmm. that's so popular. We're like, oh, I can see this guy and this guy, and I can build my own roster. Like, let's let 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 us video game up the All Star game here. Come on. Yeah, because you'd think that with like the advancements in in skills, right? And some of the stuff we're seeing players do, like part of the magic is you're seeing players do ridiculous video game stuff at like full game speed in competitive environments. And that makes it even cooler, of course. So it's not, it's less impressive if it's just like a, a shootout competition or if it's just like no one's playing to even the guys are kind of just skating around and doing whatever they want. Like, yeah, a lot of these guys are really skilled. They, they do this stuff in their spare time and in practice all the time. So that wouldn't be surprised anyone, but still, like, I think there's a way to channel what we're seeing in terms of where the game is at right now and where it's trending towards, which is this advancement in skill and guys trying new stuff and doing cool things. And that's what this event should be about. So you think it would be better suited to capture that right now, but it seems like we're still so far away from like properly tapping into it, at least like in terms of the game, like the skills competitions or side are, are were fun last year at the very least. Yeah. So let's get yeah. credit where it's due. Yeah. I will be interested to see how they find a, it's it's just so hard to top the, like you did the thing on the Vegas fountains and you did the stuff on the Vegas strip last year, which was, uh, which was really, which was really cool. I'd be interested to see how you, you do that in Florida. I know obviously they'll try to go to the beach, but just like, it's, you don't really, it's not like there's a good location, like where that arena is. It's not like, unless you're going to go do something like in the food court in the mall next door, there's not like, there's not a really good setup where you can at least pretend these things are happening near each other. At least like that, that was one of my, one of the things I, I thought was great last year was they tricked some sports books because they filmed the, uh, the, like on the stuff on the strip the night before. Mm-hmm. And, and so that had already been predetermined. Like you knew who won and everything like that before. Like, I mean, if you, the players knew who won and everything like that. Yeah. And so, but it was still a couple of them, like the fountain face off or whatever it was called and everything like, it was still on the sports book. Like there was a couple books that still had it available uh, because they didn't realize it had happened. It wasn't happening live. And I would love to see, uh, I'm really interested to see what they do to try to, I'm hoping they actually stick the landing on it because otherwise it could be really like, I don't know how they do it, but I, I hope, hopefully there's something good that actually you're like, Oh, that's pretty cool with the stuff outside the rink when it comes to, the florida one well they've got about a month or so maybe a bit less now but about four weeks or so to to get it right and give it some thought so hopefully uh yeah. someone at the league offices is listening right now and, and incorporate some of our ideas all right sean um let's get out of here let's plug some stuff um what are you what have you been working on what give the listeners something that you um you're gonna put your word out there so then you have to actually follow up something you want to work on here in yeah. 2023 it's something that, that's, that's been on your mind that you've kind of started kicking around and now you're like all right now that i've said it on the pdo cast i'm actually gonna have to go and, and write this up yeah i do want to I'm, I'm hoping in an in in immediately short term right now this week i'd like to I, i've i'd always like kyle connor's always been an interesting player to me I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like to do something more on kyle connor and he's uh the jets are coming through town here this week and so i'd like to do something on kyle connor hopefully i follow through with that and it's uh something that people can read about maybe over at a, at EP ringside this week with, with Kyle Connor. Um, with the, the, with other, the Jets the, in town, are you going to go, uh, are you going to go on a dinner date with our pal Rick bonus? Not dinner, but we'll probably just catch up. He's oh, yeah, a, nice. Rick, Rick's a good guy. Of Rick's, course. Rick's, Rick's great. I mean, I love Rick. He's uh 
having a fantastic season. Oh man, he is. He is. He's uh I will be having uh, lunch with our pal. Uh, our, our, I don't know. I mean, my pal, Ken Weeb tomorrow from Sportsnet. Ken and, yeah. Ken and I are going to have a good lunch tomorrow. Um, I, I think the one thing I want to do, and I'll put this out there now just because, and I, I know the story has already been written a little bit, but I think this is something that I want to nerd out with on some goalies about is we talked all about that skill. We talked all about the, um, how that's changing the game and how the guys can do these things. And like the Trevor Zeker is like the, the Michigan is now like a actual part of his arsenal and stuff like that. I'd like to do something where just, just talking to goalies and goalie coaches in a real nerdy way about like, how does, what's the goalie counter to this? How does mm-hmm. this, how does, how do we start teaching? How do goalie coaches start teaching guys to counter this? And how does this change that? Because like, I, I think I'd like to get nerdy on that stuff and talk to some, uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to have to now do it quickly because if I don't do it quickly, Kevin Woodley will do it before me. So now yeah. I have to do it quickly and I've said it out loud and I've painted myself into a corner. So uh, I have to work on that this month. So thank you. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that is interesting. That is kind of the, the trickle down effect of some of the stuff we're seeing, right? Like there will be counters and there will be adjustments and kind of how the goalies handle that accordingly is going to be, it's going to be fascinating. So, yeah, I mean, and, and listen, we all know that goalies give the best, anecdotes and in, in interviews as well so i feel like that's a good project for you because you're actually much more likely to get something cool as opposed to going up to a skater and then asking them and getting like the most like generic thoughtless answer possible 100 100 um all right man well this is a blast um i enjoy myself it was great to have you back on we're going to certainly do this again soon if people enjoyed hearing us chat they can go help out the pdo cast by smashing that five star button wherever they listen to the show and we're going to be back tomorrow with more. So thank you for listening to the Hockey PDO cast streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network.